Hey everybody, welcome back to Preview Review, the world's first podcast ever. Wow, what an accomplishment. I know, we created the idea and then we didn't release these episodes for years until other people came up with the idea for Preview Review, or a podcast I mean, and then we said, you know what, we slept on Preview Review way too long. We are the Nikola Tesla to the world's Thomas Edison of podcast. Yes. Who is, I don't know, who invented the podcast? Apple Podcasts. Ooh, Mr. Podcast. Yes, his first name was Apple. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is Preview Review, where we talk about movie trailers, uh, the things we like, the things we didn't like, what makes us excited for the movie and the trailer, what we are not looking forward to if we see this movie that is shown in the trailer, and everything else about the trailer that ever needs to be said. That's right. We love movies, but we love movie trailers even more, because sometimes... You get even more from the trailer than you do from the actual movie. Oh, like when they have scenes that aren't in the movie that are in the trailer. Yeah, and sometimes the trailer's like even more exciting than the actual movie ends up being. That's true, but sometimes trailers are a lot worse than the movie, so sometimes I like the movies better. That's true. It's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, it's it's 50-50. It's a lot easier to talk about multiple trailers on a podcast because they're much shorter than talking about a full movie. Yeah, two minutes compared to two hours, you know which one I'm choosing. It's a no-brainer. Two minutes. Thought I was going to say hours, didn't you? No. (laughs) (laughs) So on today's episode, we want to get spooky. That's right. It's the perfect time of year for us to talk about all things horror. The middle slash end of June. I think this episode comes out in July. The beginning of July. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. What better way to celebrate America's freedom than to be reminded of the constant horrors upon which this nation is founded. Amen. So, with that, we want to talk about a couple scary, spooky movies that are coming out this year. On today's episode, I will be talking about the trailer for the movie Crawl, as well as the trailer for It, Chapter 2. Wow, so those are some pretty spooky trailers, Tyler. Indeed. What are you going to be talking about today, Ryan? Well, only the spookiest of the spooky trailers, Tyler. As I'm delving into the trailer for Midsummer and the trailer for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ooh, those are also very spooktacular. Yeah, you films, can't get scarier than trailers. Yeah, you can't get scarier than a movie that has scary in the title. <laughs> Ask true. anyone that's seen any scary movie from the scary <laughs> movie franchise. They're horrifying. All right, so to kick off today's episode, we want to start with our opening question. Oh, I know what it is, Tyler. All right, what is it, Ryan? <laughs> what spooks you to your core? Ooh, what spooks me to my core? And by that I mean what movies scared you as a child? Oh, okay, so it's a little bit of a retrospective here. So, when I was a child, obviously I wasn't watching horror movies yet, and... But you still got scared. There were plenty of children's and family films that have very horrific, like, terrifying scenes in them. I would have to say one of the most horrific scenes in a movie that I used to watch a lot as a kid is the boat ride tunnel scene in... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the musical version starring Gene Wilder. That scene is absolutely horrifying. Even as an adult, you watch this movie and you say, how was this made and filmed and put into this movie with a bunch of kids? And even apparently the kids filming this scene didn't know what they were going into <laughs> and were traumatized on set So by what they, by what they see. And apparently only Gene Wilder and the director of the film were in on this surprise Oof. nightmare <laughs> spook fest. Oh. That, uh, 
that this boat ride turned out to be. So yeah, that's pretty spooky, especially considering the rest of the film isn't at all spooky. <laughs> no, you're not prepared. None of it before the, or after. The next most terrifying thing is like maybe the Kidding impending death of, of the being fan chopped up by the fan at the top of the room. But even that is lighthearted and solved by belching. <laughs> Burps. Which compared to. There's not even a happy resolution to it. It's just, they just get off the boat. Run, and then they stop and say, we're here. Like, thanks. Well, at least they get to get off the boat. For the nightmares. And they never go back on the boat, so you don't have to worry. But yeah, this is definitely a film when I watched it as a kid. Every time it was, Mom, I'm going to put my head behind my pillow and tell me when this scene is over because I don't want to <laughs> have to watch this again. Wow. What about you, Ryan? Well, what movie spooked you to your core? So many movies. I was a, a skittish child. I saw the trailer for Something Wicked This Way Comes, and I don't remember how long it took me to watch the movie, because the trailer scared me real bad. My mom was like, hey, this is a movie I like. So I said, cool, and I popped in the DVD, and I saw that you could watch the trailer, so I did. Bad mistake, Ryan. It was scary. I don't remember much about the trailer now. The movie's a delight. <laughs> but not for, like, seven-year-old Ryan. Also, I have vivid memories of being scared of the witch or the evil queen in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, my sister really liked that movie. The and young wanted... version or the old version? Well, the old version, yeah. The one who looks like an evil hag. And the ride at Disneyland is also terrifying. Yeah, it is. But there was one instance where my sister really wanted to watch the movie and knew I was afraid of it. So I grabbed the movie and threw it behind our entertainment center. And it was it stood there for like at least a couple months until I, I went and got it back. It's still there today. No, it was a different place, <laughs> different entertainment center. <laughs> yes, Snow White. Go look behind the TV. It's framed. <laughs> Just where it landed. Ah! That'd be terrifying. Anyway, thanks for sharing. What spooks you to your core, Tyler? <laughs> I feel like I really got to know you better. Thanks. <laughs> you think you podcast with somebody for? over a month and you think you know them and now now you know about learning more every day how a trailer scared me i was into trailers even as a kid wow you were truly born to do this podcast exactly all right ryan let's get started with the first trailer that we're talking about on today's episode and this is the movie crawl this movie comes out july 12th it's directed by alexandra aja who directed the recent remake of the film the hills have eyes which came out in 2006 this film stars Kaya Scoldelario and Barry Pepper. This trailer is, for lack of a better term, profoundly dumb. It's goofy. That's about all I can say about it. Well, what's the premise that you get from this? If no okay, one's okay, seen okay, this okay, movie. Okay. The premise trailer. is, okay, the trailer opens and a city official of some sort, like a sheriff or maybe a mayor. Some guy on the news. Somebody, but not like a news person. Somebody no, no, it's like, like a special breaking news report. Might be like a FEMA person or something like that. Maybe. But some person of authority, governmental authority, is giving a brief on live television that says, if the hurricane hits your home, we won't be able to come rescue you. And we see that there's an impending hurricane coming to the to a town in Florida. Louisiana? Florida? Florida. Florida. Gators. There's gators in Louisiana. Well, it's either Florida or Louisiana. <laughs> Somewhere where there's gators and hurricanes, which both of those check the <laughs> boxes. Either or. <laughs> so, cut to we see a young woman, maybe a teenager, maybe like college age. I was thinking like in her 20s. Yeah. And she 
comes to her home, and her dad is trapped in their basement as it's starting to flood. And she says, I'm not leaving you here. We have to get out. But lo and behold, there's blood, and the dad is bleeding. What's happening? Their house, as it's flooding, is being infested by alligators. Very large alligators. Pregnant alligators. Yeah, we see eggs hatching open like well you see the remnants of the hatched eggs yeah so were they already in the house when they were laid don't how long do gator eggs take to hatch maybe quick based on this trailer are they <laughs> 20 second are these mutated labors. alligators in any sort the of hurricane way? messed them up tyler i feel like there's got to be something going on here because they're also very large and like when i see people like news stories or things on social media about like people finding alligators in their homes in these communities it's like oh they're tiny little the lizard like three, boys or like three feet long at the max right yeah these are like massive well, 12 footer alligators just let me just swim into this basement like well that's animals, what you do when you live in florida no, or have like a natural instinct to not go in places that are too tight for them to get out why is this thing swimming through this tiny little this one's evil tyler sewage tunnel this one wants the dad bad it's ridiculous one of the most outstandingly dumb things that happens in this trailer is the girl's holding like a handgun of some sort and the alligator comes up and chomps on her hand <laughs> but she is able to fire the gun into the alligator's mouth after it's chopping her hand most likely destroying so many of the nerves in her hand and arm that she would not be able to pull the trigger it's wild it's insane the trailer closes with another very dumb thing which is the alligator which we've previously seen swims so fast that it can break through a window underground, or not underground, underwater, is trapped in the bathroom with the girl, and the girl closes the sliding glass shower door, which the alligator is now not able to break through, and is just kind of thumping its head and tail well, up against it. Well, it can't gain enough speed, Tyler. The oh, window the is far away. The, mm. It's a tiny little shower. But then, in the midst of safety behind this indestructible shower door the lady opens it and says come on you son of a bitch as she's treading water in the shower like at she's what gonna, point she's gonna this, get him at what point in this encounter do you have more leverage when you're up to your chest in water than an alligator who's literally born to swim and well, attack prey in the water well you know whenever you have a prisoner and you put them in a cell the thing you want to do is let them out of the cell because that's going to work. There's also a shot of a tiny little puppy paddling a hallway oh, that's yeah, full of water. It doesn't show us what happens, but you can guess right away that that dog does not make it more than 30 seconds past that shot in the movie. Because then it turns into the alligator. Maybe that's it. There's it's got... a shape-shifting creature. I feel like there's Because dogs be... can crawl too, right? There's got to be something more to this movie because on the surface, if it's just a regular old alligator, first of all, why are they there? How are they giving birth so fast? And there's no chance, if it's just a real alligator, that these humans stand any chance against them. There are two things that I really do actually enjoy about this trailer, though. Number one... Okay. Sorry. I, I, I found some things I liked in it, even though I don't think this movie looks good. I really like all the things they do with the sound at the beginning, and the sound throughout the trailer is very pleasing actually yeah the sound design is really cool the whirring of her yeah. spinning the emergency flashlight and stuff like and that and the clink clink of things so like the part of the premise is they have to make noise to confuse the gator so they like incorporate that into the trailer really well and maybe if you like cut out all the dialogue 
and just close your eyes, it'd be kind of a cool track. And I also like that when that city official guy is giving a speech, that there's a sign interpreter, because I just, I like representation in film media, Tyler. True. Those are probably the two biggest highlights of the trailer. That's why I mentioned them as two things I liked about this trailer, Tyler, yes. (laughs) Um, I will probably end up seeing this movie. I am a fan of self-torture, especially when it comes to watching B-horror movies. We've but seen a couple bad horror this movies has, this year. This has a great producer, Sam Raimi, behind it, too. Uh, of Oz and Great and Powerful fame. Yeah, that's the thing he's most well-known for. Yes, and Spider-Man 3. And the Hills Have Eyes remake is, like, a well-made horror movie. It's not better than the original, but it's decent. I mean, I haven't seen either of those. So but I do like the Evil Dead movie that Sam Raimi made. The first one is the only one I've seen. Yeah. And I do like the first two Spider-Man movies. It was just kind of a bit earlier, in case you didn't catch on, listeners. So, I've got hope that it might be better than the trailer makes it appear. It looks like dumb fun, which I'm in for. I mean, I saw The Meg last year, and I had fun with that. So yeah. this is this year's The Meg to me. I just feel like this doesn't have the pool that The Meg had of, like, a Jason kind of Statham. funky cast. Yeah, with Rain Wilson and everyone. Yeah, but you got um, the gator. And also, this alligator does not crawl a single time in this trailer, so it should be called Swim. So I'm looking forward to seeing maybe, Swim when it comes out July 12th. Maybe the crawl is referring to the dad after he gets injured and he has to crawl around places like he does at the beginning of the trailer. Maybe it's referring to the end crawl, as in the credits. Oh, because... the biggest thing you'll be looking forward to the entire time you're watching this movie. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Alright, moving on to spooky film number two. Is this one spookier than Crawl, Tyler? It definitely looks that way. Wow. Is it funnier? I'm gonna say it might be. Oh, it's got everything you want. We're talking about the trailer for It Chapter 2. This is the continuation of the recent film adaptation of Stephen King's classic novel, It. Uh, The second installment comes out September 6th and is directed by Andy Muschietti, who did the first installment of It, as well as the horror film Mama. That this was directed cast, by uh, Del Toro, or produced, Mama. Yes. The cast includes James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, and Bill Skarsgård reprising his role as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. What happens in this trailer, Tyler? Well, first I have to say a couple things. Okay. One, the first installment of It was absolutely amazing. I thought it did a really great job of being a very compelling horror movie. The frightening scenes were very frightening, especially when you think of it in the perspective of these children that are encountering this very powerful and very evil creature. And it was also very good at creating a compelling coming-of-age story of these young characters, which is a huge part of the novel as well. And I thought it balanced both of those, the kind of like heartwarming, genuine character story, as well as the horror elements. It delivered both of those very well. And I think that that is going to continue into Chapter 2, Mostly because the casting for the adult versions of these children is absolutely stellar. So, in it, Chapter 2, we see this cast are, are, are starring as grown-up versions of the children that are the main characters in the first movie. They grow up so fast, don't they? They return to Derry, which is the town where it resides. And they're returning after the specified amount of time where it will resurface and come back and continue to terrorize the town of Derry. 29 years or something it's like something that? something like that. And in the trailer, we see kind of like where these characters are coming together and starting to, it seems like not all of them have kind of been on the same page since they were younger. They haven't all stuck together. They're kind of having to navigate some of the conflicts within their group. 
that have resulted over this last span of time, but also they're kind of revisiting their younger selves and reliving this past trauma, which has definitely severely impacted them throughout their lives. And so again, I think it's going to do a really great job elaborating on that narrative element as well as delivering the elements of, you know, Skarsgård's performance as Pennywise is absolutely awesome. And I think we'll do a really great job at still bringing that horror to the forefront of the story. Yeah, I agree completely with everything you said. And something I really like about this trailer is something we talked about way back when on our first episode is that it gives you just a chunk of the movie. It opens and Jessica Chastain's Beverly has come back to her childhood home and she encounters an old lady who seems to be residing there. And throughout this scene that's creepy and eerie and setting the tone, it is revealed that the lady is it and she comes running at the camera at Beverly and that's all you get of that scene. It's just enough to tease you for the tone and the taste of the kind of movie you're going to see and it gets you excited for the continuation of this story. Yeah, and the second half of It is also known, uh, of the novel itself, is known for tying in a lot of these different like mythical and lore elements that Stephen King puts into his novels. I don't know how much of that they will incorporate and put into this adaptation of the film, or this film adaptation of the novel, but I have a feeling that whatever they choose to do with it will work very well. Because I think they've just kind of been able to write in key elements of the storyline that would lead itself to more explanation, but I don't think they're going to try and go all out and do two hours of, here's all the lore and background behind who it is. I think it's also going to be very much from the children's perspective, and they're just encountering this creature for what it is. And if it does go down the crazy lore hole of the coke-fueled writings of a madman in the, what, 70s, yeah. 80s, I'm excited because, spoilers for the book, like, there's a giant space turtle, and it's an alien, and it's just weird and wild. I mean, I haven't read the book, but I've read synopsises. I'm avid on Wikipedia. This has been previously established in this podcast. So, yeah, even if it does that, I trust Muschietti, because of what he did in the first movie, to handle it well and with care. So, Tyler, we talked about It Chapter 2 having this amazing cast. James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, the old Spice guy, Isaiah Mustafa. <laughs> but what if something happened and all of them said, no, we can't make it. Miss Weird Alternate Universe, you are the casting director. Oh, no. Who do you cast? These are such good choices. Sorry. They're all have scheduling conflicts. Old right. Spice needs another trailer pronto. <laughs> Alright, so in this alternative casting universe where we are trying to cast adult versions of the characters. The, yeah, children of it. Well, with... they're not its children. <laughs> okay. The children of it. Children from the movie It. Yeah, not Seed of Chucky kids. Oh my gosh. Um, Alright, who would we choose? Let's see. If you can't choose any of the original cast, even for a different role? No, they're all out. They're all busy filming Old Spice ads. <laughs> they're all in an Old Spice ad? Yeah, Old this Spice is... got them and <laughs> Warner <laughs> couldn't. I might be more excited for the old spice ad than I am for it chapter two. <laughs> All right, I think for the main character of Bill, remind us again which one's Bill, which kid is Bill. Bill is the young boy that is the central character of the first movie, who has the stutter and is 
gonna be played as a grown up by James McAvoy. Yeah, he's the one whose uh, brother got eaten by the clown guy, right? Yeah, in the very opening cool. scene. I'm gonna give that role to Mr. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Ooh, that's a really good choice. I just think that Joseph Gordon Levitt can handle that kind of like wizened, older character that has been impacted by some sort of trauma in his youth. I think this helps because Joseph Gordon Levitt himself started his acting career at a relatively young age. Third and, Rock from the Sun. And uh, I think he would do really well in that role. Who would you cast as Bill? You know what? I kind of want to hear your whole cast first because my cast works together better as an ensemble. Oh no. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but who are you going to cast as Ben, <laughs> the chubby kid who likes to listen to um, what's that band? New Kids on the Block. Okay, as Ben, as an adult who who's lost the weight, loses weight when he grows up, and for this reason, I'm going to cast Mr. Chris Pratt. Hey, that's a good cast too. I think that uh, Chris Pratt would do a really good job in this role of like, I was a quirky, chubby young kid, and now look at me, I've lost weight, but I'm still impacted by what I've gone through in my younger days because I feel like. That's exactly the life that Chris Pratt has had as an actor. Wow, that's great. So, if you're going to cast Beverly, the only girl in the group, so if you don't know which one that is, um, get your eyes checked. Who's your Beverly, Tyler? My Beverly would be, and this is this was a harder one for me to stray from because I think Jessica Chastain is a fantastic choice. I agree. I went ahead and picked Mrs. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sarah Michelle Gellar is a... Uh, you know, returning to this rather kind of like horror genre from mm. her early days in Buffy. And, and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> we know she can rock the red hair because she played Daphne in the live action adaptation of Scooby-Doo. Wow. Just everyone that's connected to James Gunn is in your film. Chris Pratt, wow. Guardians, Geller, Do. <laughs> so that's a pretty good core three, but who are you going to cast as the wise Kraken Richie? The goofball who was played by Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things as a kid. This was another very hard one for me because Bill Hader's also fantastic casting, but I went ahead and picked another SNL alum for this role, Mr. Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg! <laughs> I think uh, we slapped some big round frame glasses on Andy Samberg. He might have to cut his hair, flatten it out a little bit, and uh, maybe get it a shade darker because Finn Wolfhard's hair is a lot darker than Andy Samberg's is. People color their hair. But uh, fine. I think he would do really well in this role. I... I almost cast Richie's Andy Samberg. kind of the jokester of the group, right? And I think it's a big thing was like him doing little different impersonations and making funny sounds, which I think yeah, fits he, Andy Samberg's brand of comedy. Yeah. He, he, and he, I also think it would be awesome to see him challenged in a more dramatic role. Cool. So here's an interesting choice. Who are you casting for Stanley, the young boy who was just bar mitzvahed, who, um, spoiler, in the book and the miniseries, grows up to be a man who takes his life and really isn't a part of the Losers Club anymore. Yeah, so Stanley grows up to be very traumatized by the events of his childhood, has to be a character that can play a very layered role, and I have to preface this by saying I don't think my entire cast, adult cast, kind of lines up in age, but don't worry if about I were it. to give this role to anybody, it would be Timothée Chalamet. Oh, that doesn't work in age at all, but I like it, because he plays he's depressed well. He's got some well. of the girls, he plays depressed well, like he looks very similar to the young version, not just in the hair, but also the facial structure and everything. Um, Plus, this could work like, maybe it's a flashback, and so he would be younger than the younger rest of It's a younger adult version, yeah. yeah. So, that's my pick. That's a good choice. And last but not least, but 
maybe least because he didn't get much screen time or character development in the first It movie. Oh, but he's a huge part of the second part. I know, but people might consider him as least. We're, of course, talking about Mike, the young black boy whose family burned in a giant fire and who had to shoot a cow in the first movie. I think for the role of Mike, I went ahead and went with an actor who, when I saw the young version of Mike on screen, thought, hey, he looks a lot like a young version of so-and-so. And that is Donald Glover. Interesting. Of course, some people know him more as Childish Gambino, the American musical artist. But Donald Glover is also an actor. Uh, his TV show Atlanta is on FX. Oh. And he was also a starring role on Community. Yeah, and he's been in movies too. Yeah. Like The Lion King. That's not out by the time we release this episode. <laughs> but I think he would do a great job. And he was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, he was in Spider-Man Homecoming. So there he is. He's been in a movie. It's already been out. Perfect. All right, now time for my cast. All right, here we go. So something I really liked about the first It was its playful tone, almost, and how much humor was in the film. So I took that and ran with it and cast almost all comedians. Wow. It Chapter 2, it's more than a horror movie. It's a comedic horror movie. So here we go. Bill, stuttering Bill, who grows up to be James McAvoy in our timeline, grows up to be Dave Franco in other timelines. Interesting. Yes. Dave Franco, I feel like he can pull off a leading man well. He just hasn't been given the chance to. He's always cast a more supporting role, and I think this can give him the chance to break free. I think the closest we got to Dave Franco in a leading role would be... The Disaster Artist? The Disaster Artist. Or uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Yeah. Was that him? Disaster artist. <laughs> Alright. So for Ben, the chubby nerdy boy who grows up to be a hunk, I've cast the ultimate man who every chubby nerdy boy wants to be when they grow up. Nikolai Kosterwaldu. <laughs> He's gorgeous. He's not a comedian! <laughs> Have you seen the clip for Res Nose Day where he sings about Game of Thrones? It's so funny. <laughs> He's one of the non-comedians that makes it into this cast, but I think he can be comedic, which is why I'm giving him a chance in It, the comedy. Plus, I really like him. Hilarity. It could be, but there has to be a two in there somewhere. <laughs> okay. So figure it out. So Beverly, the only girl, I've cast Emma Stone. She has really good range as an actress. Yeah, dramatic and comedic roles. Exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider her exclusively a comedian. No, but when you think of Emma Stone, you could think of uh, Superbad. And that's funny. So mm-hmm. there we go. Yeah. Hilarity with a two somewhere in it. Maybe the, maybe it's H-I-I, but the I's are Roman numerals. Mm. Itty. That's how it worked. For Richie, the jokester character, you know, I like Finn Wolfhard, but when I think of that character, I don't really like that character because he's really annoying. <laughs> so I've chosen one of the actors that... Basically, whenever I see him, I don't know. I just kind of get annoyed. I've chosen Zach Galifianakis. What? I don't know if many people know this about me out there, but I don't really like Zach Galifianakis. I think he's a fine actor, and I don't really have a reason to hate him. I'm sorry, Zach, if you're listening, but we don't vibe, dude. (laughs) So, Zach Galifianakis has been cast as the annoying Richie. Your ages also do not line up at all. I know. You're telling me that Zach Galifianakis and Dave Franco were kids at the same time? Yes. This is absurd. <laughs> For Stanley, the poor soul, 
I've cast Jade Baruchel from roles in This is the End and um, How to Train Your Dragon and Man Seeking Woman mm-hmm. on FX. I feel like he's more of a bill in my eyes, but I see it for I don't know. Family. He seems um, like he can play, I don't know, almost every role Hopeless. I've seen him in. Hopeless. He does seem like he's really hopeless, but also like every role he's played, his character has been Jewish, so that worked for me because Stanley's also Jewish. So I wanted to represent the Jewish culture with Jay Baruchel. And finally, for Mike, this person also isn't a great comedic actor, but I've cast Idris Elba only on his performance from the Hobbs and Shaw trailers. Oh my god, he's Black Superman. This boy has risen from the literal ashes and now has come home. And he is the hero of this story. Everyone can get behind Idris. Everyone can get behind Mike. Wow, that's great. So be sure to check our social media where we will have all you listeners vote. Which of our alternate adult casts would you rather see in an adaptation of It Chapter 2? Or Hilarity with a double yeah, I. Yeah, Ryan might change the title because it's not going to be My movie's different, <laughs> but it's still great. <laughs> All right, Ryan, should we move on to our next trailer for this episode? Yes. Yes, we should. The next trailer is one that I get to talk about. And that trailer is for Midsummer, the July 3rd release from director Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, William Jackson Harper, and Will Poulter. This is a movie that looks creepy. And knowing Ari Aster's previous film, Hereditary, I know, well, I hope, we'll delve more into just some scares. And some, like, ooh, I had a fun time at the movie because I got scared a little bit. But we'll delve more into, like, some actual psychological and relational issues and relationships that people have that can go deeper than just something is scary. But the plot of the trailer is Jack Rayner's character. Jack Rayner is an actor that you've seen in Transformers Age of Extinction. He gives the famous uh, Romeo and Juliet clause speech where he... Uh, basically comes up and goes to the camera hey it's okay that i'm dating this uh 18 year old even though i'm way older than her because it's legal or something like that uh sing street which is a much better movie where he plays the older brother and kin which is a movie i have not seen anyway his character is dating florence Pugh from fighting with my family and their relationship is kind of on the rocks he's wanting out of it and he has a plan to go to this festival in sweden where they're wearing weird clothes and they do some rituals or something, but he thinks it sounds fun. But something tragic happens in the life of his girlfriend, and he invites her to come along anyway, much to the chagrin of his buddies who are like, F this chick, it's bro time. We gotta go get these smoking hot Swedish babes. But they go, and they're wearing these all-white outfits, and they're running in circles, and the sun's out at 9... PM and they're like it's okay that's how Sweden works they're fools and it turns out that there's a more sinister plot behind this festival and the people are really inviting Jack Rayner and his girlfriend and his friends there to be human sacrifices it looks like and it kind of feels like it leans more into the demonic side like Hereditary did and it looks terrifying and very good and I'm excited for this film Ari Aster I loved Hereditary one of my favorite films of last year and yeah i'm just very excited for this film what do you think tyler yeah i agree hereditary was very very excellent and gave us i think one of the best performances of last year with tony collette's leading performance but also from also great performances from all the other actors 
in that film. Like the kid from the Naked Brothers Band. Yeah, like, he was very good in that he movie. He was, but he was on the Naked Brothers Band. Yes. You can do both things, everybody. <laughs> you can be a man in an Old Spice commercial and be in It Chapter 2. And so even though these actors are not ones that I know a lot of performances of theirs, especially not really knowing all of them to be very good, as in the case of Jack Rayner. Sting Street's really good, if Sting you haven't Street's seen good. it. Will Poulter, I have seen him in a couple different things. Bandersnatch is good. William Jackson Harper, I know from The Good Place as Chidi. That's Florence a good show. Pugh. Fighting with My Family was I like that movie. Was fun, yeah. But I think that under Ari Aster's direction, all of these actors will give awesome performances because that was the bar that he set with Hereditary. Midsummer does look very creepy, and I'm excited to see how Ari Aster will incorporate some of these mythological or supernatural supernatural elements because he did that very well in hereditary we see some shots of like somebody levitating off the floor in the trailer mm, we see some shots of some very disconfigured faces yes and spooky like all kinds of physical deformities and things like that and i think that this will be a, a part of that supernatural element in the narrative which would be really cool it, this movie basically appears to me to be something similar to like a wicker man type story where it's outsiders coming into a small community under the premise of this event that's happening that they don't really know that much about and it turns out to be much more sinister than they expected it to be and add on to that the character elements of we didn't even want this girl here and i didn't really want to invite her but i felt like i had to and she's coming along from the perspective of having something very sad or dramatic happening in her life and so tack on those elements on top of the horror that they're going to experience at this event i think we are in store for a very very excellent story and the movie also looks visually fantastic as well i agree and i actually really like like if you've noticed we haven't really talked about what the traumatic or horrific thing that happens to florence pugh's character is and that's because the trailer doesn't tell you it kind of says she just went through this thing and i feel like we can't break up at this time and i feel like i invited her on the trip out of sympathy yeah the opening scene of the trailer ends with the boyfriend answering the call of oh no what's happened and it just cuts to now they're on the trip together mm -hmm. and so that was a, a cool element i think because now we have to see the movie to kind of see the inciting incident yeah of the narrative and then of course we only get very brief snippets of the story that's to come yeah i don't really know what's going to happen in this movie and i'm excited because of that and even though the trailer doesn't tell me what happened to her family or how things are going to happen in this movie i know what the idea of the film is and I know that, like, the tone and the vibe that it's going for. Totally. This movie comes out July 3rd, but it already has had a couple of advanced screenings. And one of the things that gets me most excited for it is Jordan Peele has seen it and gave it a very, very positive review. I think Jordan Peele and Ari Aster are two, I would say, of my favorite horror directors right now. Because I've been a fan of all their movies. All even three. though there aren't many of them. <laughs> but... I'm confident because part of Jordan Peele's review is this movie's never been done before. And so even though it has elements that do remind me of a previous film, it does give me hope that there is still a lot of creativity and new stuff being put into this movie. So I'm very excited to see what's in store. Now we're going to talk about a different movie. Perhaps the spookiest trailer we have here. Perhaps not. You decide. This film is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. The release date is August 9th. Director is Andre Overdahl. He's Norwegian. I might have mispronounced his name. I apologize. The cast includes Zoe Coletti, Michael Garza, and Gabriel Rush, 
who are all people that do not have Wikipedia pages, so I can't tell you what they've been in. All my knowledge comes from Wikipedia. But it also includes Austin Abrams, who had a role in Paper Towns. And that was a movie I saw. Which we only know because he has a Wikipedia page. I've only seen Paper Town once. And it doesn't have his picture on the wiki page, so we have no idea who this person is. It also says Dean Norris is in it, but he's not in the trailer. And the character I thought he was going to be in the trailer turned out to be played by a different man. Anyway, this is a movie that's based off of popular children's series books. They kind of were the edgy goosebumps, like they were the ones with the creepy cover pictures. And the older kids read them while you were reading Goosebumps, and they're like, hey, look at that baby reading The Haunted Mask. And I was like, shut up, The Haunted Mask is good. Anyway, back to the movie. So it looks like the trailer of this movie shows the group of kids finding a book that looks like it has stories written in blood that we're told write themselves, and... As they write themselves, they actually happen in the real world. So, a haunted scarecrow is terrorizing jocks. A corpse is looking for her missing toe. A teenager has a spider growing out of her pimple. That's all I remember. You know, the scary stories that you tell to your friends in the dark. But the more I watch this trailer, the more similarities I actually see to the film Goosebumps. It's a group of kids... That you don't really know who they are. It's a cursed book where things are coming to life. And it's a sleepy little town that isn't really interested in helping, I don't think. The sheriff was like, yeah, you shouldn't have touched the book. (laughs) Kind of like, you gotta deal with this shit now. (laughs) The one thing that really intrigues me about this is Guillermo del Toro's involvement with this production. The trailer throws his name on the screen and you're like, ooh, Guillermo. He's done great films, but then you find out he's just a producer. And then you find out he has a story by credit, not actually a script writing credit. So it's like a double-edged sword. You're like, ooh, Guillermo, but oh. It's not full Guillermo. Like half Guillermo, but half Guillermo is better than no Guillermo, right? That's what I'm telling myself. Okay. So Tyler, what do you think about scary stories to tell in the dark? The premise to me appears very childish. There are some children that go to a haunted house, you know, the... The old house crazy in the house. town that nobody wants to go to, and you get dared to go up and run and knock on the door. We've seen this <laughs> trope a bunch of times. And uh, there's even the line in there of, like, we've seen the house, now can we go? And then the other kid says to the other, like, who ordered the chicken? That was a good line. <laughs> it's I a laughed. terrible line. So It was good because it was so bad. So I'm like, okay, whatever. This is going to be a campy kids horror movie. The thing is, I don't know if it's a kids movie or not. But then I see... These very horrendous, horrific designs of these creatures and monsters that are in this movie, which I think is probably the telltale sign of the Guillermo del Toro involvement. But they don't look like del Toro creatures. They don't, but I think that obviously he has like a hand in saying, let's do some of this type of design for these characters to make mm-hmm. them look very scary. And so then I'm like, ooh, this is actually a pretty scary looking, m- looking movie, at least those elements look scary. The rest of the narrative looks like it could be a kid's movie, but I think that the horror elements are hopefully in good hands with the production by Guillermo del Toro, and at least those characters, the kind of, like, I'll say villains of these scary stories that come to life, will uh, look really great on screen and hopefully bring a lot to the story that I think it's kind of lacking when it comes to the overall premise. Yeah, and another thing that confuses me about this trailer is what you said, like, the tone shift. Like, it feels like it's for kids, but then it also feels like it's traumatizing and kids shouldn't watch it. So I'm quickly Googling to see if this film has a rating yet to see if it's a kids' movie or not. 
Because I don't know the rating. Do you, Tara? I feel like I heard somewhere that it's going to be rated R. Like it looks like it a could genuine be. horror movie, but I guess it could be PG thirteen and straddle that line of like it's an adult horror movie, but kids can also watch it. This article from April says the anticipated rating is a PG thirteen. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes says not available yet, so I don't think it's been rated yet. Interesting. Doing a deeper dive. And still coming up with nothing. Okay, so that was the spookiest episode of a podcast I've ever recorded, Tyler. Yeah. You know what would make it even spookier? If we were movie executives and we had Guillermo del Toro's ear. Oh my gosh. And we said, hey, Guillermo, this children's series needs to be adapted and you can be a producer and get a story credit. Wow. So while you think about what book series you want to pitch to Guillermo, I'm going to go ahead and talk to Guillermo for a second. Hey, buddy. It's me. Ryan, have I got the book series for you? You don't even need to read them, because I don't really know any kids that do. They just like looking at these crazy covers. The book series is Animorphs. He goes, wow, I can do crazy things with these creatures. Creature design is my passion. And I go, I know, G-Buddy. Here we go. Guillermo, if you want to do Animorphs, it's so easy. You can make an original story, and no one will know if you're following the books or not. Because they don't read them. They just go, wow, look, it's the snake boy. It's the bird girl. You can make it an anthology story, which just looks like what you're trying to do with scary stories to tell in the dark. You can make them meet. You can have them separate. You can have multiple vignettes. You can do whatever you want, Guillermo. It's your story. But I know you like elements of horror. This one definitely has elements of body horror. We can play into that, make it R-rated if you want. We could lean off of it, make it a PG-13. It's all to you, Guillermo. Animorphs. This is the series for you. Tyler, wow. I think Guillermo's ready to listen to you that now. That was an impressive pitch. All right, here's my pitch to Guillermo del Toro for a children's book series that I would like to see adapted by him on the screen. When you say by him, is he your producer slash story critic guy? Or sure. is he your director director? Oh, I don't think he's going to be the director director. Oh, so he's the producer he story critic guy. Okay. But he could have some insight. Mr. del Toro. Back when I was in elementary school. I used to peruse the school library, and we had a wide collection of books from this series known as the Bailey School Kids. The premise of these stories is kind of a rinse and repeat series where these main central characters in every book are in some situation where a relatively innocuous adult character appears to be something that they may or may not be. Some sort of mythical being or creature that the kids are like, whoa. What is that thing doing here at our school slash camp slash town slash whatever environment they're in? So like Scooby-Doo? It's kind of like Scooby-Doo. There's over 80 titles in this series, so you have plenty of material to choose from. Here are some titles that rang a bell to me. Vampires Don't Wear Polka Dots. Werewolves Don't Go to Summer Camp. I've heard of that one. Ghouls Don't Scoop Ice Cream. Monsters Don't Scuba Dive. Gargoyles don't drive school buses. The possibilities are relatively endless because, like I said, there are over 80 books in this book series. Endless now <laughs> means 80, Del Toro. <laughs> um, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds with this. You have your central children characters. This could be very compelling. Maybe borrow some notes from It on this one. And they can be going around their school and town and being like, wow, that's so weird that so many of these people seem to be weird creatures and what are they doing in our town you could wrap multiple of these storylines into one movie and have them encounter you know 
a vampire and a werewolf and a ghoul like all in one movie or my thought is let's go to netflix or hulu and get a series and we can do these 40 minute 50 minute episodes one book at a time 80 episodes 80 episodes we're gonna run 10 seasons eight episodes per season wow or maybe eight seasons 10 episodes per season whatever netflix wants we'll take whatever they'll give us but I think this is a really, really great series for us to adapt because you're great. Creature design, monster design. This person needs to look like he could be a screwdriver or a gargoyle at the same time. Can I figure out how to do that? No. But can you, Guillermo? I believe you can. Yeah, and I think that's great because Guillermo has stated multiple times he's a fan of classic horror movies and it looks like you got the classic horror villains. Absolutely. Frankensteins are in there, Wolfmen are in there. You've got you've got lots to do. All the with. heavy hitters. Absolutely. Wow. So Guillermo, please get back to us as soon as you can. And we don't have the rights to sell you cuz we're actually not studio executives, we're just podcasters in a garage. I haven't seen a Bailey School Kids book published in a long time and I'm sure if you approach the company to do an adaptation they would be more than willing to accept the money i no longer look at children's novels but i believe the same is true for animorphs well i looked at their wikipedia page oh smart i didn't check wikipedia i let you down you fool anyway i think that's all for today's episode of preview review what do you think tyler well before we wrap up this episode i gotta ask you ryan what was your favorite trivia that we talked oh my about gosh week? i almost forgot the thing we do every episode <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> I think my favorite trailer, it's really tough. I think my favorite trailer was the trailer for Midsummer. I got exactly the sense of what I needed from this movie. I could tell that it was Ari Aster just by the way the trailer is made. And I was in for the story. I said, hey, that's the guy from Sing Street. I like him, but I haven't seen him do anything else. I said, hey, that's Cheaty, my buddy from The Good Place. He's in a horror movie? I'm in. So that trailer really got me excited for a movie that I really didn't know much about before I saw the trailer. All right, and so is Midsummer the movie that you're most excited to see that we talked about today? No. That title would go to It Chapter 2. Solely because of It Chapter 2 has the advantage of It Part 1 being a trailer that sold me on it chapter two the whole film of it part one is just getting you to see it chapter two and i have to see what happens to these kids tyler i'm gonna flip the tables i'm gonna ask you some questions you ready for this Mm -hmm. i I bet you don't know what they are question number two what movie are you most excited to see movie i am most excited to see that we talked about today is midsummer i loved hereditary and i thought ari aster did a great job with it I'm really expecting some high-caliber performances from this cast, and I love that it's new, original horror film. I've been craving it, and it doesn't well, look as bad as Crawl, yeah, which is the other Crawl's original, original horror film <laughs> on this list. So, Midsummer, I think the trailer just did its job enough to get me to be like, "Wow, this looks really great. Looks like it's going to be a very interesting, cool new concept." I'm in, and I really want to go see it as soon as I possibly can. Cool, but. Is that the best trailer that we talked about this week? No, I think my favorite trailer that we talked about this week, for the exact same reason you had it the other way, was for It Chapter 2. I think that It Chapter 2. Crisscross. The uh, 
The trailer got me really excited because it went back and said, Hey, remember that awesome Pennywise performance from last year? It's back. Hey, remember those kids? Look at these awesome adult adaptations. And while I am really excited for the movie, Midsommar just barely ekes it out in that category because I'm excited for the original content. Even though I am also still excited to see what happens in Chapter 2. But the way that the trailer gets me excited to see that with that little scene with Beverly in the apartment and uh, kind of the flashback of the adult characters looking back at their younger selves. I think those are just really cool elements that make me look at this trailer as an example of one that gets me excited to see the movie. Wow. Well, we've done it. Two weeks in a row, our second tie. Wow. And we haven't learned anything from the last time that we did a really clunky way to solve a tie. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to assign both of these movies a number in my head, put a finger or two fingers behind my back and you're gonna guess if you guess correctly that movie wins if you guess incorrectly that movie fails and the other movie wins the fingers or finger have been raised behind my back i can't believe we're setting the precedent for this beer tiebreaker for every single episode of this podcast well it's at least (laughs) for these two because i don't carry coins in my pockets while we podcast so tyler please give me the number one or two. I think out of fairness, I believe I picked two last time, so I'll pick one this time. Wow, that is the exact rationale of why <laughs> I put one behind my oh, back. No. And one, strangely enough, belongs to It Chapter 2. Wow. One is two, meaning It Chapter 2, you are today's big winner. And you know what that means? We're happy for you. Well done. Really good job, It Chapter 2. Midsummer. We still love you. Yeah, you only lost by chance. Scary stories. I don't know what you are. Crawl. I feel like I know what you are. I'm not happy about it, but... But I'm kind of into it. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, this has been Preview Review. If you really liked it, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Preview Review. The review is spelled like the show review. R-E-V-U-E, not R-E-V-I-E-W. And if that's confused you, I'm sorry. Just look at what you're listening to and type that into Twitter. That simple, folks. Well, that's everything we got for you today. We'll be back to you next week for another episode with four more trailers for us to discuss. Yeah, catch you on the flippy flop. <laughs> I'm Tyler Ellison. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Toon. Bye bye. See ya.